0: Parents can mitigate sibling competition, sibling rivalry, sibling um, trauma bonding, things like that, where siblings are are like siblings are going to fight sibling. Like there's going to be conflict, but there doesn't need to be competition or uh, resentment because the sibling gets away with things and I don't um, or the sibling gets treated a certain way differently than me because they're younger or because they're older or whatever. There are ways as parents to become more conscious about the, our own biases and create a little more equity in the, in the home. Welcome to the Relational Parenting Podcast. I'm Jennifer Hayes, a parent coach and 20-year childcare veteran. Each week, I sit down with my own father, Rick Hayes, and discuss the complicated issues that parents face today, as well as some of the oldest questions in the book. From the latest research and the framework of my relational parenting method, we offer thought provoking solutions to your deepest parenting struggles. Added bonuses include intergenerational wounding discussions and guest childcare experts. We will also start taking your parenting questions in Episode 5, so be sure to comment with your biggest questions or email me directly at jenny at jennyb.co. Let's get started. All right, we are back. Welcome back to the Relational Parenting Podcast, everybody. Thank you for being here. This is a Jenny and Papa Rick week. Um, and we this week we are going to talk about sibling relationships and birth order. Um, this is something that we've mentioned a couple of times but haven't really dove into, and uh, it's definitely something that I've noticed in my experiences as a nanny, um, and also in my experiences growing up with siblings, um, and just other people that I've talked to along the way. Um, you know, there tend to be some very common birth order responsibility type things, roles that are attached to birth orders. Um, and then there's also gender, gender roles at play between siblings and expectations that are different based on which sibling you are. And, um, and a lot of these things, there's a, uh, Either bond the siblings or cause conflict in the siblings, between the mm-hmm. siblings. Um, and the primary goal of what I want to talk about today is to explore those things, but also discuss ways that parents can mitigate sibling competition, sibling rivalry, sibling um, trauma bonding, things like that, where siblings are are like siblings are going to fight, sibling like there's going to be conflict. But there doesn't need to be competition or uh resentment because the sibling gets away with things and I don't. Um, or the sibling gets treated a certain way differently than me because they're younger or because they're older or whatever. There are ways as parents to become more conscious about the our own biases and Create a little more equity in the in the home, Mm -hmm. Um, especially as our we have more than one child and our children are exploring their first same age um, relationships with one another and teaching them those relationship skills very very early on. Um,
1: That's the ideal as a, a parent a parent that understands conflict and how to how to coach kids through it or how to raise kids through it so it serves them well later as opposed to sit down shut up or you know sit on your hands like i used to do or mm-hmm. uh, you know there's better ways uh, learn better ways to do it and i think it starts with uh, being able to regulate as you've said many times regulate the parents need to regulate themselves they have to be in a place where they can think straight you know can't, things can't be if things are super hectic, you know, sometimes a parent is just like, I need this to happen or stop now and yeah. uh, trying to keep things on a, on a footing where you can be mindful, you can be intentional about uh, all those fun things that happen when you have two or three kids. I remember you talking in school <laughs> of, of, or more. Yeah.
0: Imagine if you had uh, five or uh, six kids in, in s- the back of the van instead of just three. Oh my
1: God. I can't imagine. We had three and I can't, I, you know, it's hard to imagine. Some people grew up in great big families and love the idea you know think a, think a family should be great big. And you know, the uh, that would just be a different experience. I remember you in school talking about, uh, Having friends in the sorority that had grown up without brothers or something, you know, the mix of sexes and ages <laughs> and stuff—that is still a it's thing. A, I can still the, point at a combinations.
0: Yeah, I can still point at any woman and go, "You didn't have brothers growing up, did you?" <laughs> oh
1: really? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah, wow.
0: it's it's only gotten more obvious as um I've gotten older and as the people you know that I'm
1: will have. To- around well, surrounded that, so by okay. have gotten older.
0: So, okay, so so point. sibling relationships um whether you are you know, so sorry to the single ch- child people. Um but this could still be really good for you to know um with your children's friends as they get older, uh cousins, any interaction with children this can really help. Uh, children with other children. So, um, between siblings, there tends to be, when there's conflict, there tends to be a goal of finding out who's right and who's wrong. Uh, just like just, that's just human nature. It's what we do. And just like in adult relationships, adult conflicts, uh, or anywhere else in our lives, we tend Mm -hmm. to, be naturally black and white thinkers, right and wrong like solving the puzzle instead of focusing on, Yeah. yeah. Instead of focusing on, um, empathy, emotions, experience, and coming to a, uh, compromise or an agreement, um, getting on the same page, and you know, one of the number one rules is you are, you know, the human beings involved are are a team, and the goal is to identify the problem and problem solve. And so, if you can apply that to your children, anytime there's a conflict with your children, neither of the children is wrong, even if it's something as obvious as older child hit younger child. We don't make the child hmm. wrong. We make the oh, action right. wrong That's or right. the That's problem right. because there was a problem. There was a there was a uh catalyst to that behavior, which could have been hmm. she grabbed, you know, younger sibling they grabbed the toy. Smack. Right. They <laughs> they deserved it. No. <laughs> um
1: saying things that you're going to have to edit out. (laughs) Right.
0: Um, You know, younger sibling took the toy from the older sibling, so older sibling smacked. (laughs) They were both in the wrong. So there's, like, you know, there's no point in... Stimulus response.
1: Something happened. Yeah.
0: Um, And sometimes it's really hard, too, if it's the older sibling who instigated and took the toy from the younger sibling. Because that, as grown adults. And we, we look at that as even more like injustice. Like when the older sibling does something to the younger sibling, it almost feels worse. Um, and we want to stop it, fix it, make it like like shame like uh, like absolutely not how dare you you know you are bigger and stronger and smarter and how dare you take advantage of your younger sibling and that's all like you're literally acting out the horrible injustice that they just committed instead of being the calm yeah
1: but and it's such a natural for everybody
0: yeah Yeah, it is. And it's valid. It's a valid, like, good. If you have that instinct of injustice, like, internalize that towards yourself. Like, take a minute and be like, okay, I just watched my child commit an injustice towards a younger, smaller, less powerful being than themselves. And now my job is to not then commit that same injustice against them, but to come in as a calm, (laughs) loving presence who loves them just as much as I love this one over here and I'm going to help them through it instead of committing the exact same injustice
1: yeah. Yeah. to that a, child. And that's a deep breath moment for a parent. At least or t- I know or 10 a deep breaths,
0: you know? You, know, you see <laughs> yeah. that
1: and you, and you just want to go, come here. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Come
1: here. Oh, trust me. And yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, let's, what do we want to do here? So um <laughs>
0: so I would invite parents to look at any situation between siblings with a lens of how can I help them how can I coach them to problem solve their conflict instead of walking in with the goal of assigning blame right and wrong justice or injustice, um, and, and assigning punishment. So walking in to a conflict, whether you are right there directly witnessing it, or you are walking in on it after something has occurred or while something is, while something is occurring. Um, I have, I have a couple of scenarios to present Um, we've done a lot of presenting on very young children. So one-year-olds and three-year-olds or two-year-olds and five-year-olds, you know, that one to five, zero to five age range, bigger kids, smacks younger kid or whatever. We've we've done that in a lot of episodes. So I want to touch on something a little bit bigger. Um, I want to talk about like the six to 10 or six to 12 year range. And then I want to talk about the teenager range because these can be a little... Harder to walk into and stay calm in because they've got the words. They can, they're, they're not just losing their minds emotionally, and you need to like, just like, woo-saw through the emotions, and then you have all the answers. Mm. This older age range gets a little trickier because you've got to woo-saw through the emotions, and then you've got to navigate some really deep thinkers who have the words yeah. to put to why they feel bad and why they think it's justified that they did what they did and yeah. Yeah. all of those things. And it, and it adds another layer to it. Um, and so.
1: Yeah. If you phrase them right, they're a little more sophisticated. They can keep yeah. up with you and you need to have the rules straight and wise. Yeah. And yeah better than because, because I told you so, you know, where's then when they get a little older.
0: Yeah. And so and it's really important that you don't walk in and just squash it and make everybody go sit in their corners until they calm down too. like that might be needed like every great, great once in a while if somebody really cannot calm down in the moment um, and have a discussion together. But nine times out of 10, if you can walk into that room and be the calm presence and invite them to calm down, and we're going to work through this together, Um, no one's getting in trouble. We're just going to talk this out. If you can walk in and create the peace um, or the calm that is needed in order to problem solve with your children, um, nine times out of 10, they're going to do that with you, especially if you've been doing it since they were little. But if you haven't. Yeah. Um, and you're starting something new, you know, it might take a little, a few tries. So, so yeah, yeah. so maybe you have a seven and a 10 year old. We're going to go with that. So you've got two very verbal children who know how they feel. They have their own belongings, their own clothes, their own, maybe their own bedrooms at this point. Um, and you walk in on them, you know, screaming at each other, fighting over a shirt, you know, yanking on something. No, it's mine. No, it's mine or whatever. Mm -hmm. Fighting over something. Um, you walk in, your first job is to bring the energy you want into the room. Do not join their chaos. So your first job is to walk in and and be the calm that you're trying to get them to be. Uh, and Yes. And that doesn't mean that you walk in and you're talking like this and we're all just going (laughs) to sometimes calm, like, like powerful calm is you walk in and you're like, Hey, you guys, you know, I don't know what's happening here, but we all need to take a deep breath and step away from one another before it goes too Mm -hmm. far. And then Mm -hmm. we're going to, we'll work this out together but the, the it can be a very firm like call- like knock it off without being the knock it off the like dismissive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like brushed off um words, and that reassurance inside of that firmness, that calmness, the reassurance that we are going to work through this together it assures your children who are already in a heightened state that you're not walking in to just start doling out punishments and solutions. And I don't care what it is. And I don't care what she said, or you did, like everybody just go to your corners and shut up and no one's going to get heard or validated about, you know, what happened or how they're feeling. Um, so walking in, being that calm, being that firm, assured leader, and then offering a quick reassurance mm-hmm. of, like, we're going to work through this.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I, that. That, I can remember walking yeah. in. I remember doing the knock it off thing. Yeah. I can remember saying, I don't know what's going on, but I'm tired of listening to it. Right. And then I don't know how effectively I followed up with the, you know, just. Just knock it off or the I mean I, I imagine ideally what you want to do is walk in and coach them through resolving the conflict mm-hmm. in some way or better or taking a break from it anyway and come back if it's you know maybe it's not something that can be resolved. I mean a shirt, yeah, okay, but uh, maybe there's some fight going on that's uh, that's got that's more deeply rooted. But yeah, uh, using it as a, as a, always using it as a teaching moment once, you know, assuming there's no danger or, or uh, like that going on. Yeah.
0: And I, a teaching moment, but, a but, uh, I even want to change that language to a guiding moment because teaching mm-hmm. implies that you are, okay. you are handing down a solution, um teaching, teaching
1: coaching yeah is
0: like is um you you are solving the problem instead of helping them
1: the yeah.
0: yeah instead of helping them solve the problem and at age 7 yeah. and 10 we're we're in this window of development for most typical children um 7 is right on that cusp um But 10, we're well into the window of logic and reasoning and rational thought and um, Mm -hmm. abstract concepts. And so we are able to bring the energy down and and have a discussion and say, you know, so and so, like, everyone's going to get heard, you know, and last time, last time there was a conflict, you know, seven-year-old got to talk first. So this time it's 10-year-old's turn, 10-year-old um for you in your experience what happened why are you upset 10 year old get you know let her tell her story let her let them be him or her let them be animated let them be upset let them tell their story um and then you say wow I hear you that sounds really frustrating something that validates Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you don't have to validate her reasoning you don't have to validate any, like any occurrence or that she should have reacted that way, you don't need to validate mm-hmm. the behavior, but validating that her experience was upsetting. That yeah. sounds like you Evaluate, were really validate upset. The emotion. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like that sounds really upsetting. That sounds really frustrating. You sound so frustrated about that.
1: You sound so frustrated. Yeah.
0: And then 10-year-old is validated. Okay. Seven-year-old. What, in your experience, what happened? Why are you upset seven year old expresses themselves, we offer validation oh yeah that sound that sounds really frustrating too or oh man that that sounds you know you sound really sad. you sound hurt. hurt mm-hmm. is a very underused word uh that can solve a lot of problems <laughs> um, when we get angry. When we get scared, when we get sometimes even underlying frustration, but when we get sad, sad, angry, scared, almost always what's under mm-hmm. one of those three emotions is hurt.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm if hurt. You, My
0: feelings are hurt. It covers I feel.
1: All the degrees. Yeah. yeah.
0: I feel betrayed. I feel. Yeah, so hurt is it's just such a useful word. Um, and it's the core of a lot of our emotions and conflicts with other people. Um, and so, you know, you can even offer, Oh, that sounds like that really hurt you. You sound really hurt right now, you know, offering that to each of your children. Um, and so, so we're coming in, we're changing the energy in the room and We are allowing each child to have a voice and to be heard and seen and acknowledged for their side of the story, because this is teaching kids that one that they deserve to be treated like that, um, in their future relationships. And two, that you are not on anyone's side. You were there for both of them and you're there to help them work through a conflict, not to pass judgment, pass down punishment, Mm -hmm. Um, or decide who's right and wrong. Um, and they from there. have their, to sit
1: there while the other one describes their point of view too. So it's a good yes. one from that point of view to teach you to sit there and listen to someone, no matter how wrong you think they are. Yes. <laughs> sit yes. there and describe it knowing you're going to get your turn. So yeah, that would be a real good exercise for a lot of adults.
0: Absolutely. Anybody. practicing They get to practice listening to that other side of the story and they get to do it when they're young so that when they're older and have romantic relationships and friendships, they aren't fucking
1: assholes. <laughs> For lack of or a or even work relationships. I can yes. see that extending to all kinds of relationships yeah. where they recognize that when you're not being heard, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> you're talking a lot about your stuff. You're not listening to my stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a red flag you know, can that be resolved or not?
0: Yeah. 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 So, um, so, so many life lessons, so many life skills being learned from one simple little sibling sibling conflict. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the number one, one that I want to hit on the head with this episode is that your children are not learning to resent one another because parent number one or whatever is taking sides, passing judgment
1: and yeah. deciding
0: who's right and wrong. And then your, your kids yeah. walk away. They don't walk away mad at you. You're the rule maker. Yeah. You're the one in charge already. You're already like the manager at the office. Like they're not supposed to like you, <laughs> but they're supposed to trust you it's and they're supposed well, to they-
1: the authority and fairness, you know, that yes. you are a source of that. Yeah
0: but you are also like for them to trust and respect, like respect you. A lot of parents talk about my kids don't respect me. My kids talk back to me. If you want your kids to respect mm-hmm. you, like, but you're the one passing judgment and constant punishment and dismissive of them and their feelings and their conflicts, they're not going to respect you and they're not yeah. going to respect each other. And they're just going to continue to like boil at each other. And those conflicts are just going to keep happening. It It is amazing.
1: It, yeah. When
0: you teach children conflict resolution skills, I've seen it happen with kids that I still take care of every once in a while, a three and a five-year-old. They, they talk through conflicts. A three and five-year-old
1: yeah, discuss yeah.
0: their conflicts and hug it out and move on when they have a disagreement during nice. a game or whatever. Like,
1: How old are they now? They're three and, they're five, three
0: and now? five. Yeah, they're three or and five now.
1: When you were, yeah.
0: He just So turned that's the best five.
1: time to get at them. You know, if you wait, if you wait to, it's harder when you wait to do this till they're more fully formed. You know, if you don't start this till they're 22, uh, you know, it's going to be real slow to change. You know, it's, if you can get them young, they get those habits young, then it makes the whole thing easier. You know, kids, little kids are pick things up quick
0: they do so so whether you've been doing this since your kids were young or you're just hearing this for the first time now and starting now you know the the point is causing sibling rivalry and resentment through unconscious parenting is is a huge issue and I see it I literally don't know that I've I think I have one family that I can honestly say I've seen handle sibling conflict really well. Um, and in a way
1: really to do it, it's,
0: I know that's why, that's why we're out here is that it's not common knowledge. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and causing, you know, there, there are things that like, like me and my brothers are, we're fairly close and, there are still things from our childhood that we will sling at each other. If we get mad Mm -hmm. enough at one another, if one of us triggers Mm -hmm. something there, there are two or three phrases that have lived since we were like seven years old, that we know we Mm -hmm. can throw at each other and just Mm -hmm. destroy the other person and just send them into Mm -hmm. a like lost fit of rage. Um, yeah. And We're all in our 30s, like, and we can still do, like, they live forever. Anyone who thinks, like, oh, that's just dumb young rival, dumb sibling shit that they'll grow out of, they don't. They do not grow out of it. So if you want your children to, long after you're gone, to have these, like, beautiful friendship, loving and supportive and your families get together and the cousins know each other and all of that, like... It, you got to start when they're little, like their relationship starts yeah. when they're, when they're little. So anyway, when like, you know, a lot of stuff also can get worked through when your siblings become adults, but there are a lot of families where it doesn't. The sibling it rivalry doesn't. is insane. You always got story, away with yeah. everything. You always did this. Yeah. You, well, no offense, but your siblings are a great examples. <laughs> of sibling to, rivalry uh, never being resolved.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I just I kind of st- I kind of stay apart from it now. And uh, as yeah. a result, you know, it's like yeah, I engaged and tried to fix and tried various approaches and I ran out of ideas, so I just kind of let it go, you know. And I'm sure um, maybe
0: they feel the same way. I don't know. And probably I, probably. If they're like, "Well, yeah, you tried, you know. Everybody tried and maybe there's just yeah. not a you all, it's, I mean, you all, it, like, it, when it gets ingrained and it's, you guys are all, you're in your 60s, your sister's in her 70s, like, um,
1: when it goes that
0: far for that real. long and it's that deeply yes. rooted from like five, six, seven years old, that is, that is
1: yeah.
0: hard. That is it's hurt that enough. runs deep. That is hard to work through.
1: The longer it, it's like uh, it sits there, and and if and especially if you uh, if you don't actually deal with it, you know, getting to the whole uh, therapy thing or something, you know, t- uh, when you're hurt or you know there's a bad habit and you don't <clears throat> and you never deal with it, you just press it down, press it down, yeah. ignore it, it'll go away. Then that's no, nah, it don't really go away. You really got to drag it out and, uh, and feel it and. Uh, And deal with it. Uh, I heard a story the other just the other day. I go to a couple of men's groups and uh, talk with guys and and heard a story about uh, somebody that had been required by a parent to apologize to an older sibling in order to keep the peace, you know, no matter what The the younger the younger was to apologize. And eventually just rebelled. It didn't take that long, you know, I'm not sure what age, but I'm I'm imagining at adolescence, you know, and finally going to the parent and saying, I ain't doing that no more. That's just yeah. not you know, it didn't fix anything. And uh, you know, just just a parent trying to make the the conflict go away, but it's not helpful and it's and it lasts forever you know, in this yeah. particular relationship, it's lasted up to this time, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Better, better and worse ways.
0: Well, and so jumping back to our example, cause I don't want to leave people hanging on um, the, the resolution of a Oops. conflict, you know, so 10, we have a 10 year old and a seven year old and you've walked into the room. Everyone is calm. you, um offered reassurance we're going to talk through this and everyone is going to be heard 10 year old t- told their side of the story 7 year old told their side of the story both feelings were validated so now mm-hmm. this is where the actual resolution comes in so now we go to 10 we we go to actually we could have even, you could have even, you can do this at the end or you can do this in between. Is like if 10 year old goes first, tells their side of the story, we can then say, ask seven year old, seven year old, like, did you hear, you know, can you repeat back what you heard 10 year old saying about their <clears throat> feelings? Mirroring and then maybe, is that- yeah. Yeah. Um, can you? Like that. Yeah. But but it's also it's an exercise in making sure that they're they actually were listening and not just having their own thoughts and comebacks to what yeah. that person was saying, but yeah. also that they fully understand what part of their behavior or words or actions hurt ten year olds, so that in the future they know oh this is hurtful to this person, so maybe I'll choose not to do it next time. Whereas before, they might have just thought, they might have not even known that, oh, that might be hurtful. Like, most kids are not purposefully hurting someone. They're just doing shit because they had an idea and want to do it. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Unless there's major sibling rivalry and competition in the house, in which case they are, in fact, executing these things for Until
1: thought. they learn it's a button, <laughs> a hot button. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so anyway, kids don't necessarily think things through.
0: Seven-year-old reflects back to ten-year-old the thing that they did that hurt them, and we're not saying what did you. So tell me what you did to hurt this person. We're saying, did you hear what ten-year-old said? Can you repeat that back to her?
1: Yeah. What is, can what you did simply she say? repeat?
0: Yeah. Not. We're not. We're not saying you did this wrong. So you need to say it back. We're saying, can you repeat mm-hmm. what ten-year-old just told you?
1: You understand what Do you understand what 10-year-old,
0: why 10-year-old is upset? Repeat that back. Great. All right. Now it's 7-year-old's turn. 7-year-old, tell your side of the story. Why? Oh, yeah, that sounds frustrating. You sound hurt, too. And then we say, 10-year-old, what did 7-year-old just tell you about how they were feeling? 10-year-old reflects back. And maybe you, there's some minor corrections or whatever that need to happen there in their reflections to each other, and you let that happen. And then we say, okay, so n- now we know that this, this thing hurts 10 year old's feelings. And then when 10 year old did this, it hurt seven year old's feelings. And, and then there's, so what do we think the solution is? How could we have, you know, what can the solution be now who gets to wear the shirt or whose shirt is this or whatever? And then what is the future solution for this to not happen again?
1: Yeah. How oh, avoid well, this in the situation. future,
0: I could ask 10-year-old if I could see if my shirt is in her closet instead of just running into her room without permission,
1: there because I think
0: my shirt's in here, you know, so, whatever the solution is for the future. So we're we're coming up with a solution in the moment. What, what do you guys think is fair? What do you guys, you know, do you guys feel like you want to apologize to each other for hurting one another? And of course, encouraging that, but not demanding it because an apology needs to come from actually feeling sorry or guilty or whatever. And then discussing a future, a future option. Okay. Next time I can ask permission or knock on the door. And the, and you know, maybe seven year old solution is next time I can ask permission to come in and see if my shirt is in her closet and okay. Mm -hmm. 10 year old, what's your solution? Well, I could not either like I could not put her shirt in my closet because I know it's her shirt or I can let her in my room <laughs> to see if her shirt's in there instead of mm-hmm. hiding it from her. You know, whatever,
1: mm-hmm.
0: whatever the solution is, come up with a solution. <laughs> let them come up with a solution. And you'll,
1: and you'll have to and, and it's let, and it's best if they come up with it because yeah. we learn more when we when we have to synthesize it than when it's just like, OK, here's a list another rule to write on the wall yeah you know but they're developing boundaries and Mm -hmm. and uh learning about at least one other person in the world and and you and they will of course there will be the next step where well i knocked but she wasn't there so i went ahead and went on in. oh yeah there'll be all kinds of roadblocks yeah (laughs) the next little baby step you know Okay, I did that, but then that uh, I okay well, we'll do it again and yep. eventually the whole route will be covered and and uh, a general rule will emerge but, yeah. and then
0: they'll fight about something else
1: it could, <laughs> it could be frustrating and you and you have to do these things when there's time right I mean if we're in the middle of ten uh, year old pushing seven year old out in front of a car <laughs> right
0: no this the, has uh, to
1: happen really right. quick you right. know? but when there's time you know there's yeah. always those things when there isn't time or when you haven't got the capacity, you know, you're too tired. But if, uh, when there's time, if you do this, it will pay off big time.
0: And I, and yeah, and that's a great point. And I, I want to say that it takes less time than you think it will. It can actually be a lot faster once you've done it a couple of times and your kids know they know the deal. They know, okay, I'm gonna tell my side, she's gonna tell her side, we're gonna come up with a solution and they're comfortable and with the process. This, yeah. It can actually happen really quickly. I'm I'm talking like two minutes. Yeah. Like like a lot yeah. of times the complaint about about these parenting tactics can be it's so time consuming. It takes so much of my energy. I'm doing other things, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, if you just yeah. do it, it takes. Like it literally takes two minutes. It can sometimes take a lot less time than screaming until they listen to you and go to their rooms. You know?
1: And it accumulates. You know, if you do it now, if you get started, especially if you can start when they're little, uh, but whenever you start, you'll have to do it less in the future. So it saves time not yeah. having to listen to the conflicts or the. And they'll the start doing circle, it themselves you know, without it, you it even
0: in the room. Pays interest. There will be conflicts that you don't even know about because you've given them the tools to do it themselves.
1: You'll find out when they're in their thirties and you're sitting around talking about. You remember that time,
0: right? (laughs) And then you'll be like, "Where was I when you guys were doing that?"
1: Oh, you were gone, you know.
0: Yeah, and I mean, sibling rivalry is real. It is not. It can. It can go to places that are really dangerous when you get older. When you get older um, and you have access to things, weapons, things that can be turned into weapons, like Mm -hmm. kids, unchecked emotions, unregulated emotions running rampant in teenagers is a dangerous fucking thing. I mean, there were knife chases around the house when parents Mm -hmm. were gone because we got Mm -hmm. so angry at each other. Like there were real life threatening things that were just simply lucky didn't happen
1: there there but for the grace of god go i yep there's a lot of that in the world
0: yeah so this is not like some like you know maybe i'll try this whatever like unimportant conflict resolution skill that People should just tuck in their pocket for a rainy day. This is like everything we talk about on here is a life-saving or life-valuing concept of
1: like
0: quality of life, the quality of your children's lives, having a life, period. Because what ends lives? Conflict yeah anyway, now that we've brought yeah. the energy awesome. down um repair is where apology comes in, or um if there needs to be an action taken to repair, so uh we come up with a with a resolution, and then it's like, you know, can we and sometimes repair needs to happen before resolution um but they're both in there, and Repair can be simple as I'm sorry that I came into your room without permission and I will try my best. I, I won't do that anymore. I will do my best not to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, repair can be, mm-hmm. can be a step further where, you know, um, let's see, maybe, maybe during the pulling of the shirt. You know, or whatever, someone gets sm- like smacked in the head or scratched. Maybe there's, maybe there's a like an actual scratch or an injury that occurs, a minor injury, um, and it and it wasn't intentional, but it still happened. And so maybe the res- the repair. Involved. Yeah, the mm-hmm. repair of the other party is I'm sorry that I hurt you. I didn't mean to do that. It just happened in the midst of it, but I'd like to get you an ice pack or I'd like to be the one to put your band-aid on you. And there's mm-hmm. an action of repair toward that that helps to um almost negate the action of hurt. And it and it's an energetic exchange that mm-hmm that happens in the relationship where I'm proving to you through an action that I care about you and that I am sorry that I hurt you. And it's not just words, but can I, can I show you that I'm sorry through an action right now? And so offering repair. Yeah. Repair after conflict is, is huge. Um, The couples, the couples that I know, you know i relate this to adult relationships a lot because it's 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 the exact same when couples it
1: is the same
0: argue and you come up with you know you know whatever the whatever the fight is about Everybody's hurt. Everybody has their point of view and their experience and their feelings. And maybe you do all of the steps. Maybe you empathize and you validate each other's feelings and experience and you even come up with a resolution. If you don't also do the repair piece, the wound is still just going to be open until...
1: There's a lack of closure.
0: You somehow. just give it time to heal over versus someone coming in and actually changing the energy and dressing the wound and kissing it and mm-hmm. making up for what mm-hmm. they did. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm not saying that every mm-hmm. single conflict requires a repair, but big ones do. And mm-hmm. and 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 it changes how you feel about one another. It changes the energy in the room. It it lets you move forward in a more connected place. Um, when if repair doesn't happen, you kind of just move forward at a distance. Um, and it makes it that much more likely that conflict is going to happen again. It's going to reoccur. Um,
1: yeah. So recidivism. Makes me think while you guys, while you and your brothers were in high school, I got to be on the school board for a while and got to work on a athletic policy, a new athletic policy. Mm. And part of that, I got to talk to a friend at some length, uh, a probation officer, juvenile probation officer at the time, friend about punishment and, you know, what's effective and what's not, you know. And she introduced me to the idea of um, restitution. You know, punishment. Mm-hmm. It's about discipline. It's about teaching discipline. <clears throat> and there's a there's a place for just okay, you did this. Now you need twenty lashes, punishment. You know, but what you're saying about about uh, uh, making things better. You know, the restitution. The okay, I'll do some kind of Penance, you know, running laps for the coach, whatever, you know, doing doing some kind of action that, uh, in in as as a penance or a, or a restitution for the the wrong, paying, you know, I I stole something, I need to pay back the money, I need, you mm-hmm. know, the restitution is a big, is a big uh, for for things that require it. some things require it, some things don't. Uh, like you say, but uh, restitution is the word that was coming to mind while you were uh, yeah. describing that. You yeah, know.
0: if you're, you know, same fight, seven and ten year old fighting over the shirt, or take take it that the, you know, seven year old rips the shirt in half because and it's ten year old's shirt or whatever. Yeah. All right. Seven-year-old mm-hmm. has us extra chores yeah. to earn the Damage. money to buy the new, buy a new shirt, you know, restitution, repair. Yeah. Um, my athletic policies, you know, it always, you know, there was like a, there was a grade average that you had to maintain in order to be in sports. And then there was also a no drugs and alcohol policy. And, mm-hmm. but the punishment was that you didn't get to play. Um, Mm -hmm. which for some players was like, I don't, I don't play that much anyway, so I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want.
1: Um, you know, for for starters,
0: yeah, well, so for restitution, my, my thing is that the restitution isn't for the coach. The restitution is for your team. You screwed up your teams. Well, so running laps doesn't serve the
1: the coach. Yeah.
0: But I'm saying, like specifically, like the drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. thing. That's the only thing I ever heard of kids getting getting punished for. Um,
1: that was a favorite. Yeah, of the but anyway, the, like the terrifying. punishment
0: of not playing only hurts the team further. Re- restoring trust or re- repairing or restitution would be like, okay, I'm gonna wa- I'm gonna do everybody's dirty laundry after games for the next three weeks Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to do some kind of service to my teammates to make up for my actions that hurt the team. Um, because if you take your starter, you know, one of your five starters, everything was about basketball in our hometown. If you take one of your five starters and they can't start for six weeks, like you're just screwing the team.
1: And the, the the school, and the school and the reputation,
0: and yeah, and like that kid, like, yeah, it's a punishment that he has to carry that guilt around, but it doesn't serve anyone, it doesn't serve the kid and it doesn't serve the team and so giving the mm-hmm. the kid something to do that is repair versus punishment um is yeah, actually much more, yeah, much more
1: effective, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't just laps it, it was it was uh. Enabling the coach to to determine um, and preferably with the team involved what it was going to take, yeah, for restitution, if the kid broke a rule, then uh, well, and I'm not even sure i you know I'd have to go back and dig it out now, but I don't much I'm not even sure drugs and alcohol was as an inf- was an infraction at that point. I forget I forget the exact structure of the thing, but the idea was that the community. Came up with a restitution, you know, what's a Mm. what's a just restitution for what happened and uh, to do that, to do to to make them feel part of the team and to make them feel like they had done their time. You know, it's like, okay, now I'm part of the team. I'm not just ostracized now. I forget what the exact there were a couple of incidents that prompted it and they decided it needed to be modified. And I, I decided to I took on the job of modifying it
0: yeah um, I just want to check my notes, so I wanna to touch on birth order and attachment between siblings because the other issue with siblings it's not just conflict resolution but also um just in day to day life and the expectations that we kind of unconsciously create around like first children versus last children, youngest children, oldest children versus youngest yeah. children. Um, or middle children, or different gendered children. Um, And so there's often, you know, boys and girls are often raised differently. And for some uh, situations that apply to specific genders, that's appropriate. But overall, like, everyone should be learning a lot of the same skills and have the same, uh,
1: there's more overlap expectations between people a lot of times. Yeah. Yes.
0: So birth order, often first children are parentified. They are, um, no matter what age they are, no matter how much older they are than their younger sibling, they are parentified and they have higher expectations. You should know better. Um, or you do know better, or, you Mm. know, you're the oldest, you're the smartest don't, how dare you do that to your younger sibling, you know, the power over injustice that we started the episode talking about all of those things, but they get parentified and turned into a third caregiver. I need your help with, you know, the younger sibling or the younger siblings, or you're the oldest, so I need you to clean or do more chores or whatever, and like, and there's there's part of that that's good, like assigning chores based on age
1: Gross. is good.
0: Um, but I remember, <laughs> nah, I'm not going to tell that story. Um,
1: <laughs> Parentifying, just so I understand that's so- that sounds kind of like you're uh, 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 assigning an I- part of an I- an identity to a kid. You're the oldest. You're the smartest. You're the you're this you're it's that that
0: you're turning them into a third parent. So the expect they're ex oh, they're expected to care for the other children just they're like a, a parent. Gotcha. Okay. Keep make sure. Hey, you're gonna walk them to school. Make keep them safe. That's not your ch- yeah. child's job. And and then That's if something right. does happen that they can't control because they're also small. Um. Yeah. Then they carry that guilt with them. I let this happen yeah. to my younger sibling.
1: Yeah, you couldn't yeah. do
0: shit about it either. Like you're eight.
1: did it. <laughs> like, it? Yeah. So yeah.
0: parentifying or putting putting older children in charge of younger children when they are not qualified. Um,
1: yeah.
0: And. You know, there's a lot of examples of this, uh, but, you know, and then there's like there's like older children watching younger children, like babysitting almost. Um, and in certain age differences, that can work. Um, if you have like a teenager, like a 15, 16, 17-year-old watching a much younger sub- sibling, like a five-year-old sibling.
1: Two. That take, can your, work. take your younger brother trick or treating or something, you know. It's like, and you're there's 12 years difference between them, you know. Yeah.
0: And, but also, like, not that that is an expectation. And if that, if your 15, 16, 17 year old did that for another family, they would get paid as a babysitter. So it's not their inherent responsibility. Oh, yeah,
1: you get credit for it. Your children, somewhere. sure.
0: Your children are your responsibility. You don't get to parentify. One of your other children to be responsible for your other children, like you are the parent, hmm. and if you do um, have your one of your older children who is developmentally capable do something for that is caring for the younger child. I mean I'm mm-hmm. outside of like can you please change the baby's diaper. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like putting mm-hmm. them in charge of the safety, care and well-being of a younger child then they mm-hmm. should be compensated appropriately as if it is a job so that they know that it's voluntary mm-hmm. and not that that child is actually their responsibility. They're not old enough they don't have so, their own children that that's your child. So you, you don't get to mm-hmm. take one of your children and put them in charge of one of your other mm-hmm. children. Um, mm-hmm. it, it fucks with their head. It's not good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, instilling a sense of taking care of each other, um, a sense of standing up for each other, protecting each other. That's different. You know, that's the same as... Helping
1: with the family. Yeah, that's if you've got an older... I mean, it depends on differences in age is my first thought. Does You know, putting a 10-year-old in charge of a 7-year-old, that's one thing. Putting a 17-year-old in charge of younger siblings after they get home from school until mom and dad get home, that's not a paying job. That's being a big, big brother, big sister. I disagree
0: that 17 year old did not go have children of their own to take care of you. The parent are forcing them hmm. to be in charge of the safety and well-being of someone that, that they would normally get paid to do if they were to do it in anyone else's home.
1: Oh yeah, but they're not. They're doing it because I'm buying them food and providing a roof over their head and they're right. helping with the family they're old enough to help go plow the field now. They can help the family.
0: Plowing the field of food that they that is that feeds the family and participating mm-hmm. in that chore is not the same as childcare.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: Being put in I'll charge, about that one a little bit. because if something out of their control and terrible happens to one of those smaller children mm-hmm. while under their watch, mm-hmm. that is.
1: That would also be terrible for a parent to then, I mean, if something out of control happens then you would absolutely treat that as well. That was out of your control. Right? That doesn't I mean, mean that they're going to internalize it in that way. And if sure, you put
0: their safety in the hands of your 17-year-old, the way that that young brain, undeveloped, by the way, till we're 28 years old, is going to handle that is guilt and self-blame.
1: As, a, versus as it would be for an adult.
0: Breaking yeah, right, but you well, the adult chose to have children and take on that responsibility okay. forcing your seventeen okay. year old to take on that responsibility when they did not make the choice yeah. to have younger siblings yeah. you did
1: okay okay that's a tough now
0: one. teaching children teaching children to participate in the maintain maintenance of the household v through household chores et cetera that's different mm-hmm But putting them in charge of the life of a younger sibling is developmentally unfair.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: And so I'm not talking about like a 10-year-old who, and then there's a baby born and they want to help change diapers and help take care of the baby. I'm not saying like, no, that's not your responsibility. Don't do that or let your child Mm -hmm. do that. I'm saying Mm -hmm. that when your child wants to help, Or if you request like, hey, like these like momentary things, can you help me with this? Can you heat up the baby's bottle Mm -hmm. or whatever? Mm -hmm. That's teamwork. You're the parent. You're still there overseeing all of the things. Mm -hmm. But leaving your child, your younger children as the sole responsibility of the older child. That is developmentally inappropriate because they're still siblings. Okay. And they're still, like, like hire a babysitter is what I'm saying.
1: But, boy, a lot of families, you know, big families re- rely on older kids to help take care of the younger kids. So I'm not sure where the help. line is there.
0: Help is the key word there. Helping take care of the okay. younger kids yeah. under the supervision yeah, not, not- of the adult in the house. But putting children in charge of children without adult supervision is what I'm talking about here. Putting that level of responsibility.
1: That's a complicated one. Yeah.
0: That will fuck a kid up. If something bad happens to that younger kid that they don't know how to handle, they don't know what to do. That will fuck that kid up for the rest of their life. And it's not fair. That's not fair to put that on them. It's not their job. Doing
1: that when there's a, uh, you know, anything but a minimal risk is crazy you know leaving kids at home you could always have a you know somebody break into the house and murder everybody whether mom and dad are there or not Um, barring that you wouldn't hold anybody particularly responsible for that kind of thing Um, but yeah requiring it all the time without some kind of acceptable compensation or doing it inappropriately yeah i'm i'm all over that but also
0: in a major like not just out of their control not just out of their control from an outside force but any age difference siblings also don't listen to each other So they're too comfortable. So the difference in hiring an outside babysitter is that a 10-year-old will listen to a 17-year-old babysitter better than they will ever listen to their 17-year-old sibling. A 10-year-old will tell their 17-year-old sibling to fuck off. I'm going to do whatever I want. I don't care that mom puts you in charge. That's the other issue here. Successful. Yeah. So I'm talking about the age difference being massive, 17 to 5. Yeah. Because a 17 year old can pick up a five year old and keep them from hurting themselves. A 17 year old very likely can't stop a 10 or 11 year old from hurting themselves. They're too fast.
1: That's a good point. Yeah. And that's the age difference thing I was talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. If they can't, if they're not able to control the little kid or if they, you know, if the younger kid is on some kind of uh, machinery keeping them alive and the older one doesn't know how to run it, you know, well, no, you can't be alone.
0: No, or a medication not, yeah, or they don't know enough yeah, about CPR. Like if the 17 year old is taking care of a two year old, it doesn't know that that CPR on a two year old is different. Like unless, you, unless you've trained them on that, 15 yeah. year old babysitters are CPR certified yeah. There's a difference than, uh, than putting your child in yeah. charge of your other child than hiring a babysitter of the same age. There's a difference.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It can certainly be done inappropriately and shouldn't be. Yes. So, Absolutely. Anyway.
0: Now, I'm also not saying that you can't leave your children home alone together. I'm just saying that all of your children should be old enough to take care of themselves for a few hours. It should not be that one of your children is old enough to take care of themselves. So you put them in charge of the younger ones who can't.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So you can go drink or go out and party or absolutely. Yeah. That's the, or
0: what like go to a parenting class, whatever it is you're doing. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. There's no judgment about (laughs) what it is you're doing. Like parents have lives. I'm saying that siblings should not be in charge of caring for other siblings it creates yeah. Yeah. conflict siblings are equals doesn't matter what their age is you need your job as a parent is to love your your children equally and treat them as equals not put one of not place mm-hmm. one of them above any of the others and that is often what happens mm-hmm. in birth order is that first oldest children tend to be once that younger one comes along so they're the baby Number one is the baby until there's another baby in the house. And then number one is parentified. Even if they're two years old, they're parentified. You should know better be gentle with the baby. Don't do that. Two-year-olds are still babies. Two-year-olds are still babies. They still need their mom. They still need their attachment figure. They still need you just as much almost as that new infant needs you. And if you are not giving, not finding a way to make sure that both children or all three children, all four children, all 12 children, feel like they are equal in the eyes of their parents. That is what causes resentment and um, competition. And mom thinks this of you. And so you just get away with everything or you're the baby and like mom and dad, we get punished for everything and you get away with everything. And you know, all of those sibling rivalry things that happen because of birth order are so avoidable. It's just that we are, I don't know what it is in the human brain. I haven't read about this in a while. I'll have to look it up and get back to you. I don't know what it is in the survival instinct human brain that causes us to it's it's almost the compare it's it's the comparison flaw that we all have is that I have 3 children, but they are not all the same develop like they're capable of different things. And so yeah. If yeah. this one Nash. is 10 and this one is eight and this one is six i expect the 10 year old to be better behaved than the six-year-old and it's like well with some things but that 10 year old is still navigating new things constantly so you're gonna have just as many behavior like things to tackle with your 10 year old than that you are with your six-year-old
1: they're just going to be different it's very individual yeah
0: but we take comparison and we may and and instead of going same but different we go we go different and should be more mature different sh- and should, should know better be.
1: yeah
0: they yeah. should you know they're this age I sh- they should have this they should know that they should do this a 10 year old is still developing they still have a very underdeveloped brain they have no judgment like mm-hmm. they need their parents just as much as a
1: 6 year old does yeah um yeah
0: you know that it's
1: not not just an age thing it's not just like hey you're 8 now this is the way you'll be it's it has to do with the individual child and what they've you know responsibility equal. and all those complex things yeah yeah they all equal, equal but not the same
0: is a phrase no that point, i use a lot
1: equal but not the same mm-hmm. okay and some of what you were saying made come maybe come to mind the word abdicate and at no point can a parent abdicate their parenting (laughs) you know you can assign a responsible party if they're responsible but at all times you're the parent yep yeah i think some people i think some people want to do that they take their older kids and they use them yeah so they can go off and do things and then that turns into inappropriate especially with addiction um into situations with addiction where that happens yeah. Well, then
0: there's extreme cases where older siblings, up. yeah, end up raise raising the younger siblings completely.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead. That's why. That's what I'm, I'm kind of thinking of extreme situations. I guess. I mean, there's. Uh,
0: well, that's the thing is people think that it's only that extreme situations. This is very common in in most households. Is that people yeah. expect more. And it gets even, it gets more developmentally inappropriate with the eldest children because they're older. So somehow they should know better, but it's like, they're still kids. They're still figuring things out. They're still learning. They're still, they still need attention. They still have behaviors that they don't understand and emotions that get the best of them. Like it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if they're three, 10 or 15, they have the same needs. They need to be seen, heard
1: validated yeah. yeah you know agree
0: so expecting you're going to have different expectations for different ages and stages
1: that's the word i was thinking it all comes down to expectations appropriate expectations
0: but expecting
1: shared expectations
0: your, your children are also going to have different strengths and abilities. So your six-year-old might have yeah. something in check that your 10-year-old doesn't yet. Your six-year-old mm-hmm. might, might have fantastic verbal skills and they learned very quickly mm-hmm. how to talk about their feelings instead of react. But your 10-year-old And maybe you as a parent did not learn how to teach your children to talk about their feelings until your six-year-old came along and you started teaching your six-year-old from the time they were two how to talk about their feelings. Well, at that time, your 10-year-old was six. So their brain from one to five absorbed everything. They didn't start learning how to talk about their emotions till they were six. And now they're 10 and they're still working on it when your six-year-old started when Mm -hmm. they were two and now they're six and they've got it down and maybe they're extra gifted. Mm -hmm. Maybe they learned it earlier. It could be any of those things, but just because your 10 year old doesn't have something perfectly mastered that maybe one of your younger children does, doesn't mean that they don't have a million other skills and strengths that are going on for them. And so you as the parent, Causing this comparison and competition between your children um, will create conflict. It will create resentment between your children. It will create guilt and shame and all of these other things um, in the children that you're having unrealistic expectations for. And so I always go back to the philosophy that every child is different within your your own. Family. Each of your children is going to be a very different individual, and your job is to Mm -hmm. guide them according to their strengths and to not shame them for whatever it is they're not particularly perfect at because they're not meant to be. There's some other person in the world who's perfect at those things and will do the things in the world that need done with those skills. Look at your child's gifts. Look at your child with curiosity and with the I want to get to know you and give them the respect and dignity that a human being deserves. And, and you've got to do that with each of your children, not not compare your children to one another and then mm-hmm. shame one of them for not having the same skill as another one. It's like mm-hmm. your children are all going to be very different and have different Absolutely. gifts and things, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. I could talk about this.
1: Sorry, sorry like, if I ever did that to you guys, you and your brothers. Mm, Probably I don't.
0: Uh, Josh. We. Uh, Josh, Josh in, got.
1: Josh in charge a lot. Not a
0: lot, me. but a few times. Josh was parentified, for sure. Um,
1: he always suffered from being bigger and being treated as older than. than he probably should have been. Than he was. Ex- yeah. Expectations of uh, from the, from the time he was like two, everybody yeah. wanted expected him to act like he was four. Yeah, and I'm sure that went on forever.
0: Yeah. So there's we touched on it, but um, parent maturity changes from first kid to second, third, or fourth or more too, because the first kid mm-hmm. is like the trial kid. <laughs> Um, and you're figuring everything out and you're learning how to change diapers. So the first kid is always, yeah, yeah, is always the experimental kid. And then, um, (laughs) so there's usually like some parenting tactics that tend to evolve once more children, more experience comes along. Um, parents change their approach some, you know, sometimes, not always, but I've, I've seen it a lot that parents you know, change their approach to parenting with younger children because they've seen the effects of the first approach and, and they're like, maybe we could, Mm -hmm. if we shift this thing or this thing works better, we, I read this book or did, took this class or whatever reason for it. Um, you know,
1: sometimes you figure it out. Sometimes they don't, sometimes they make mistakes, same mistakes forever, you know? Yeah. Yeah,
0: but there's, but birth order also comes with, like with, um, Parental maturity changes as more children come along and parents get older and learn new things and all of that. And so it's all just a shifting, flowing, you know, cauldron of alchemy and
1: milieu. and there's a
0: lot of parts at play. We don't have nearly enough time on one hour episode to break all that down. But some things to be aware of. Some ways to approach, some things to avoid, and uh, happy parenting. Good luck out there.
1: <laughs> parenting through times. <laughs> that's going right. to be, safe that's gonna be my new the, sign-off. Happy TV parenting and, and good luck. luck. <laughs> for something.
0: I've yeah. been searching for a tagline for a long time, and I think that's it. I think I found it. Happy parenting and good that's luck out there. Luck.
1: And good luck out there. I like that.
0: Um. that's a nice
1: ad i like that a lot
0: how you and your parenting partner or spouse treat one another bleeds down into how you treat your children bleeds down into how your children treat their siblings and all of it starts with the parents yeah yeah cool we have our patreon um it costs a lot of money to make a podcast, so if you like it, go check that out. Support us. Give us some support, support the mission. Um, coming to a YMCA near you if you're in Colorado, uh, Parents' Night Out. Parents' Nights Out. Um, I'll be hosting child care-provided spaces for parents to gather and learn and commune and talk through parenting struggles, all things parenting, and of course, offer parent education and coaching, et cetera, low cost, childcare included. Um, that sounds great. We have our guest next week, um, Noelle, who is an energy worker, healer. She's been in the childcare industry. I think longer than I have, um, 20 plus years, she is, uh, works with children with disabilities, with autism, um, ADHD, uh, and she does some really cool healing, uh, like calming techniques. Um, and she's just fantastic. Her energy is just wonderful. Cool. All right. What was my tagline? Happy parenting and good luck out there?
1: <laughs> Sorry. And good luck out there.
0: <laughs> and may may the odds ever be in your favor. <laughs> well, did you learn anything new? Or have you heard all of this before? Do you agree with us, disagree with us, have a question? We wanna see you in our inbox or via the Patreon page in the show notes. Tap on either link to send us your feedback, share your own parenting story, or support our mission of providing a connected community for all parents. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you loved this episode, click on that little star and give us five of them so we can get visible to other parents who are looking for us. This is your weekly reminder. Parents, you already have everything you need inside of you. You are a strong, loving, capable parent. And here, you are never alone. I'll see you next week.